your spot, put it in park. Here we go. It's the Free Parking Podcast, presented by Office Jockeys, racing to the weekend. What is going on, everybody? Deaver here alongside my co-host, Bush, for episode 58 of the Free Parking Podcast. Bush, what's going on, buddy? Nothing much, brother. Good to see you, man. How's Florida treating you down there in Orlando? It's awesome. I am on location, actually, uh, at the day job. We have a uh, LPGA golf tournament coming up. I'm in the Orlando area for the Gamebridge LPGA event next week. Course is looking fantastic. Honestly, some of the best conditions I've ever worked at where we are this week. That's awesome. Dude, you've been posting daily pictures on Twitter. I think you got a lot of people looking forward to those on a daily basis and a lot of golf fans follow you. So you got our boy Woodsy out there in Oklahoma. Who's like, dude, he's like, you're literally living the dream right now. You know, I take some every once in a while for even for myself, just on Snapchat, Instagram stories. And I started to go to Twitter just because there's been some awesome shots, throw up a quick little edit to it. Every morning I see a sunrise sunset uh, or it's peaking in the distance tons of water on this course with Spanish moss flowing down. The grass is lush. The greens are prime and a lot of big names running around this golf course. So I thought sending up a couple of pictures for the crew. I know everybody snowed in pretty much around the country, whether you're in the South um, central part of the country up in the Northeast. I know you guys are getting some snow here later. So I thought, you know, a little Florida love every once in a while would, would keep you guys looking to brighter days here in the summer coming up. Yeah. You sent a Snapchat earlier today. It was actually pretty funny. It was one of the ones of all your snaps that I thought was probably the best one. It just beautiful lined patch of green, green grass it, where it really shouldn't have been. Like it did, there was no need for it to look that good where it was. It was like in a parking lot. When you get to some of these properties, man, I'm telling you, we play some dog track courses up back at home, man, where you pay yeah. 25, 40 bucks to play yeah. 18 holes. The places down here, their grass in the parking lot is nicer than the fairways of some of the courses that we play back at home yeah it, it looked like it looked like the outfield of Fenway Park and it literally was in the parking lot of this golf course <laughs> it looked like the outfield of Wrigley Stadium yeah yeah and and not a not a not a sub 50k car in that lot no that's for sure no we've seen some beautiful uh the Tesla SUV is actually calling call my name there was yeah. a there's a Matt Matt Gray one with some blacked out rims oh. um yeah the the the, the, the home's at this golf course, it was funny. We were driving around the other day, a coworker and I, and I said, holy crap, that one looks like an art museum. And he actually said, dude, no, it looks like a building at a community college. And I, I thought that was the funniest thing because it truly did. Like if you were driving yeah. around your local community college, it was like that modern flat wall, flat roof, glass kind of everywhere. And like somebody lives there and not only like lives there, but like that's their second home. I mean, right. talk about goals. A lot of these things are like vacant throughout the year. They just fly down for their summer. I mean, infinity pools waterfalls and again you're overlooking like orlando is known as probably one of like you know convention touristy capitals of the world but at the same yeah. time there's some people that fly in and out of here um we're 15 minutes from the orlando airport right now and it's kind of their summer you know summer castaway there's no beach obviously we're landlocked by like an hour and a half two hours both directions but to pop down in the winter time when you know we're rocking at 75 80 degrees here right now it's it's prime time and this spot is again becoming one of the legendary spots I've ever been to um, Lake Nona golf and country club in, in Orlando It is a premier spot. Some big names uh, tour guys are set up here for their off season uh, training rituals throughout the entire year. 
And one of the prime reasons that they're here is that the Orlando airport is right around the corner. So if they're international guys, like European or Asian players, they play here because they can fly back home in the off season very easily. Or if they're going to a tour event, they can fly, you know, um, around the country, right out of MCO, 15 minutes away. You forgot one thing, drinks around the world in Epcot as well as in Orlando. Is that why they're here? <laughs> that's why that's, I'm there. That, that's why these multi-million dollar athletes are here for sure. Speaking of the luxurious lifestyle, you did send an absolutely epic picture the other day of a, which you call digital camo. I'd say it was Arctic camouflage. We'll throw a picture up on YouTube here for the, for the viewers on YouTube. Epic Lamborghini you were in, man. Dude, we had a dinner meeting. We had a dinner meeting. And let's get, we're, we're, we're doing business with this guy. We walk out in the parking lot. He wants to show us his ride. Turns out to be a Lamborghini. Your guess is better than mine. Gallardo, Murcielago. I don't know exactly Diablo. which guy it was. Aventador, Diablo, some Spanish devil type name. Uh, <laughs> mean as any. Articamo, again, white, black, gray. He souped it up, tinted the windows. The interior was with this fantastic orange leather, orange caliper covers. Ooh. The thing ripped. Uh, one of my coworkers took a spin at it, actually. I don't know how to drive paddle shifters, but I was able to sit inside. Honestly, I don't even think I could have driven it because I'm way too damn big. But I got to sit inside. The hardest part was probably getting out. Um, just <laughs> a, a fierce car. And, uh, dude, throughout the week, we've, we've ran into some cool, cool people down here. I was driving around with the superintendent earlier. Um, we were looking at a couple of things on the golf course and we drive past the putting green superintendent's an absolute legend as well. He's, he's hosted a couple of PGA tour events at former courses he's been a part of. And we roll up to the putting green. He stops for a sec. He yells, yo, Ian, how was, uh, how was Georgia last week? And this guy turns around and starts walking over to our golf cart. He's from, you know, me to the other side of this room. And uh, it's Ian Poulter. Ian Poulter and honestly dude the guy gets a very bad rap we sat there they chatted for about five minutes I kind of just was in awe uh of you know just such a storied PGA Tour professional uh right in front of us you know multi-million dollar winner winner across up and down you know up and down the tour and um just a normal down-to-earth dude he has a house right here on the 10th hole um just a just a straight shooter for sure and he talked about Augusta he was up in Augusta last week obviously he plays every single year there he said the course is still prime. He said they almost lost their 12th green, which was kind of shocking. Playing Augusta, playing the Masters in November, I guess, put some strain on the golf course that they're not used to. Usually that place shuts down uh, for right. a certain amount of months throughout the year. That's really only open for like four or five months throughout the year. Right. Um, and I guess they skinned the green, per se, in November. They cut it very short. And the cold yeah. weather hit it hard. Cold, you know, quote-unquote cold for, for Georgia hit it hard. So in February um the 12th hole which um you know you guys have seen year after year it, it struggled to come back after they sculled it but he said that you know it was in pristine shape and he just chatted a bit about his his upcoming season and uh it's funny because i talked about it i don't know on a way way previous episode about seeing lebron for the first time um in person and again it wasn't even close enough it was just seeing him in the stadium but it's one of those guys that, you know, I don't get starstruck often and not even really like shake with Ian Poulter, but at the same time, like you see these people on TV every single day, day in and day out on golf channel or ESPN or on Twitter. And to see them in person, like that's them. You know what I mean? Like they look exactly like they do on social. They look exactly yeah. like they do on top 10. Right. They look exactly, you know what I mean? And they're just yeah. normal people. Had a great chat. He was out there with one of his boys, I believe ripping some music doing some putts on the pine and green like they're, they're just like us you know yeah. they're just like us they're just very good at what they do
that's the best way to put it. I'm a big proponent that everybody poops and eats just like we do. Um, you know, you're allowed they to put their socks on the same way, right? You're allowed to have a feeling when you're with that person, because like you said, they're just a way above average at what they do, that they've garnered a reputation that requires respect to, to, to give, to gain respect. You need to give respect. And you know, that's like one of our famous lines and these guys, you know, I, I mean, obviously I'd be able to shake his hand and say, how's it going? Really nice to meet you. But inside I'm like, yo, this guy's legit, man. Like, that's him. That's right, him. And again, he right. gets a very bad rap from, from social in the golf yeah. world, but like, he's a cool dude down to earth, dude. We keep going around the putting green. Annika Sorensen, one of the best, if sorry, the best ladies professional golfer of all time putting on the other side of the putting green. She's actually playing in our event in a couple of weeks, which is a pretty big deal because it's almost like, I don't know, uh, Gary player coming out of retirement to, to play in a tour event or, you know, Jack Nicholas coming back to, to play in a tour event, right? Like she's not up there in, in, in age, but at the same, you know, cause she still can compete, but she hasn't played in, I don't know, 15, 20 years. And she was, she was, you know, is one of the pioneers and the premier face in golf. I mean, I think she has, she probably has the record for the most tour wins on the, on the ladies professional tour. So super excited to have her out at our event next week, tons of media coverage and buzz coming around our tour event because she's back for the first time again in 15, 20 years. We keep spinning around, dude. This place is legendary. We keep spinning around. We come back up to the clubhouse. Um, the superintendent mentions, he's like, you big football guy? Of course. <laughs> of course, obviously, we're just getting to know each other these past couple of weeks being here on site. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, Charles Woodson is up in the clubhouse signing a bunch of bunch of helmets and footballs. I walk into the clubhouse. I walk past the main dining room, and there are 500, I would say, like 250 to 500 Michigan Green Bay Packer and Oakland Raider football helmets that a Hall of Famer is signing right there. Hail to the victors, Hall of Fame. I you mean, gonna hold just, one up? You gonna show us? One you dude, got? So I tried to, I tried, I tried to walk boy in there. I did not want to step on any toes. But again, Woodson was there. So anyway, I see all these Michigan helmets. If you guys know me, I'm a big, big Michigan fan. Uh, I wanted to walk in there and you know offer up five hundred thousand bucks right there to to buy one, get a picture. Um, but it was with fanatics, I guess. And if you don't know how this happens. It, around the country it, it kind of takes place um these pro athletes sign um you know in these mass signings right if you see anything kind of online um not on ebay maybe but more so online like it's not like they walked up after the game and got a signed football from tom brady right they they tom brady goes into a hotel ballroom once every couple you know a couple times a, a year and signs 500 jerseys right off the bat so they were doing this with woodson fanatics came in they were doing it here in the locker room i look on the fanatics website later on the same products that he was he was signing they're going for like a thousand bucks online whether they're jerseys <laughs> footballs helmets right um after that we spin back down we go you know, we have an office space here set up temporarily at the golf course at one point i'm looking at the plaque on the wall uh there's a there's a picture frame on the wall with all the hole-in-ones that have happened here at this golf course and you know a bunch of names members throughout the years this thing's uh course has been here since like the 70s or 80s mm -hmm. and all of a sudden lou holtz pops up a bunch Lou Holtz. Uh, there's a there's actually a there's a sign on the way into the golf course saying Lou Holtz, congratulations for the Presidential Medi uh, Medal of Freedom. <laughs> Lou Holtz recently uh, received the Presidential Medal of Freedom by from Donald Trump. So as you pull into the neighborhood, they've already notified. But on this hole in one plaque, would you believe that Lou Holtz has five hole in ones at this golf course alone? Dude, dudes play a lot of golf, and he's yeah. he's obviously up there in age. But we, you know, Lou being one of the legendary college football coaches ever um we keep going to work 
we walk into a, a separate room later on with uh, the F and B director here at the golf course. We had to rearrange it for our event, and uh, it's food and the beverage, men's correct? food and beverage director. Yeah, we have to rearrange one of these rooms. Um, it's the men's grill room. It's kind of their card room. A couple beers, couple couple cigars, post round on I guess what what's tonight Wednesday night they do card night we walk in there there's 12 guys on this monster long table glasses of wine shots of you know drinks of bourbon on the rocks this and that and who's sitting there but Lou Holtz drinking a glass of white wine and guess what he's got he's got two passes to our golf tournament here next week Lou Holtz out of all people so later on we go um we're still working we like to have a couple cocktails after five o'clock while we work so we went to grab a beer at the bar and here on site I grab my beer, turn around, who's right there? Lou walks right by me. Like, just stuff like that, man. Um, Lou Holtz was right there. And Charles Woodson was sitting right behind us as well with his Hall of Fame polo, his NFL Hall of Fame polo. And he was sitting there talking about, overheard the conversation briefly, but his, um, I guess he's got a bourbon coming out possibly, but he was talking about his bourbon. It's an entry-level bourbon. It's got these kind of nodes, nut aroma, whatever he was talking about. And um, to run through those four people in the amount of like six hours today, it was just pretty special and just shows how much I, I love this job between you know the hard work that we do but the the benefits that come out of it so you know right. being able to rub elbows with a lot of people like that dude amazing that's really cool you probably had a third ear on the back of your head just listening to their conversation the entire time. oh god oh god <laughs> i was sitting there with a co-worker actually at the bar as we were ordering beers together did not hear a word they said no did uh-huh. not hear a word uh-huh. they could not process uh-huh. a thing they said because <laughs> i'm listening to the hall of famer right behind me talking yeah. about his bourbon yeah, you're sitting there, just the, the head nods, the dead eye contact with them, so it really looks uh-huh. like you're invested. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, hey. Uh, I said to her way. at one point, I was like, I, go, I said at one point, I go, do you know who that is? After, after she was there talking, I was like, do you know who that is? And she's like, no, why, who is that? I'm like, that's Charles Woodson, uh, NFL Hall of Famer, Michigan Wolverine. She's like, I've been to Michigan before. I visited my friend up there. We went and partied, yada, yada. I'm like, no, no, no. No. I understand. <laughs> like, that guy played on Sundays. He played in a Super Bowl. Like, I don't think you really gather who we're in the presence of right now. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, then we went back to work, did a couple hours, and obviously here with you guys. So, yeah, appreciate you listening. Yeah, I appreciate you keeping us in the loop in the chat. You're sending pictures and stuff. It's pretty cool. I'll leave it to FPP Frank to uh, bust your – Bust your chops every time you send a text in the chat. He's like, here, you want a gold star? I'm like, bro, I'm just sharing my life with you all. I told him earlier today, I was like, if I invested in Bitcoin in 2010, I wouldn't have to talk to you fools. But right now, you're all I got. So I'm sending you messages of what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. I wish I invested in Bitcoin, but all I got is Dogecoin right now. So let's hope in 10 years, I don't have to talk to y'all when I'm buying a house here in Lake Nona playing golf with the Boulder. If you're lucky. You might if be I'm stuck lucky. with us for good. Hey, that's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a win-win in my book. Eh, yeah, for sure. I don't know about Dickie hanging around, but you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Steve's with all these people that you've run into, it had to have gotten you starting to think about who you've all run into in your whole life and probably, you know, who's the most famous person you've ever run into. And, you know, what were some of the best experiences that came along with meeting that person? I would say the most, uh, especially influential to me as a massive hockey fan. Mm-hmm. I met Mr. Hockey. I met the great one. I, I ran past Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky played in our pro-am in Los Angeles two years ago. Um, I was there at the tee box when he teed off, you know, to start his day. And at the end of the day, he went and had lunch in the dining room. And I didn't even know he was there at the time, but walked past him, uh, made eye contact, the whole thing. Uh, you know, it wasn't a, a, meet, a formal meet and greet, but I said, hey, Mr. Gretzky, how are you? And he said, good, bud. How about yourself? And with that, I'll die happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll die with a smile. I mean, yeah. the greatest hockey player of all time, the, the, the total, you know, 
the leading goal scorer of all time, the leading assist scorer of all time, the leading points getter of all time, and probably will be forever. Mm-hmm. Um, just beyond special number 99 to uh to be in the same breath as him um, called you bud <laughs> dude call me whatever you want mr gretzky uh yeah. let's just say mr gretzky loves his titos as well mr gretzky yeah. enjoys his titos he has a heavy pour and that's not that's not inside information the, the guy likes to you know send a couple take it take a loop around the golf course and, and have a couple cocktails just like the rest of us again yeah. just like the rest of us he's Little the best player of all time and he drinks he drinks transfusions just yeah. like the boys yeah. just like the boys yeah, nothing better than our transfusions we had this past summer at Seaview. The six times we went this summer, just a little transfuge on the back nine, Ooh. getting ready for the 19th hole. Ooh. Yes, sir. Yes, Ooh, sir. Man. And they drink them too. They drink them too. Just like us. Just like us. How about you, man? What's your, uh, your, who were you in the presence of that uh, kind of shook, shook you down to the core? So, you know, my background a little bit, I've been around a decent amount. However, I would say the one that's like screaming at me in my head right now is actually another hockey player. Uh, and it was actually Martin Brodeur. Um, mm, so I actually, yeah. So I actually got to, uh, I wouldn't say he's probably the most famous, but I would say it was the coolest scenario as to how I got to meet him and just the fact that he was there. So, um, my uncle ran a charity hockey game in Atlantic city at boardwalk hall back. I believe there was like an NHL lockdown. So it was multiple years ago. And, I remember this. It was a ton of Devils and Flyers players at the time, local guys that tied with the cities. Yep, yes. I remember this. Yeah, so uh, my uncle was the guy who was in charge because a lot of his big-time clients are hockey guys because they're normal guys. They want to gamble. They want to hang out. They want to have a good time. So a lot of his big major clients are the hockey guys. So he put on something called the Operation Hat Trick. It was it was the New York yes. – oh, it was Sandy yes. Relief. It was Hurricane Sandy Relief. Yes, it That's was Sandy it was Relief. Yeah. Yep. So it was New York and, and their whole like, you know, New York team, Vinny from the Jersey shore was the head coach of that team. And uh, I think I can't remember who the head coach of the Philadelphia, New Jersey team was, but it was weird. Anyway, there was like a lot of big names that were playing in it. Um, former players, current players, former current, yep. but it was actually a competitive game. There was a fight. Uh, who's number 13, I believe on the flyers. Um, Carcillo. It was, it was Carcillo. Dan Carcillo. Carcillo yep. Yeah. Carcillo gave the people what they wanted in a charity hockey game and got in a fight with somebody, uh, which was actually really funny. And then like literally for no dollars, like it's just in his blood that like, if he's on the ice, like in a playing a, you know, competitive quote unquote game, like the gloves have to come off at some point. Yeah. Henrik Lundqvist was in, was in net uh, for the dude. There were some studs. There were some studs that game. I remember seeing the roster. I did not You were there. I was there. Yeah. I was right on the glass. Um, so then how I met Martin Brodeur, who was playing for the Philly, New Jersey team against Lundquist on the other side, which was sick. There was an after party at boardwalk hall in, or no, in Caesars. So we walk over to Caesars, go in there and Vinny and a lot of those players are sitting there from the New York team and Martin Brodeur and a lot of those Philly, New Jersey guys are sitting there. Scotty Hartnell was the captain of the team. Uh, for Philly, New Jersey, and I was able to snag a pick uh, with Martin Brodeur. I was wearing my Flyers jersey, and I felt so weird asking him for a pick wearing a Flyers jersey. He was like, all right, yeah, sure, man, whatever. (laughs) Again, Hall of Famer, one of the top three, two goaltenders all time. Him and Patrick Waugh are probably back back and back with, you know, at least the the top goalies in the past 30 years. Um, Dude, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. And there's been others, like Florida Georgia line, third eye blind, like like bands, and but like, 
we ran into Rick Tockett. Remember, we sat in the in the booth uh, in the suite with Rick Tockett. Which, yeah. if you're a hockey guy, Rick Tockett's an absolute legend. And and yeah. honestly, Rick Tockett kind of rolls into our next topic. If we want to roll right into the you know kind of absolutely pod segment section, uh, Rick mm-hmm. Tockett is one of those players that had Philly and Pittsburgh ties. And we're going to talk about another guy that has Philly and Pittsburgh ties now. Another long time, long term flyer player and front office executive now signing with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I want to get some stuff off my, you know, off my chest about it. It feels gross to me. Ron Hextall has been named general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I'm wearing, obviously, you know, my allegiance is where they lie. I'm wearing a Steelers shirt actually um, by coincidence right now, but Ron Hextall being that the best, sorry, one of the top two flyers goaltenders of all time alongside Bernie Perron playing for all of those years in the eighties and nineties being that, you know, He's a Philly guy, right? He was the first goalie, one of the first goalies to ever score a goal. He was the goalie that got into a ton of fights. He he kind of had a rocking mustache, kind of like my dad back in the day, honestly. Um, but Hextall was Philly down to the core. And he played, you know, obviously a ton of games, never won a cup with the, with the guys, but played a ton of years here, uh, has a ton of records with the Flyers, rolls over to be their general manager in the, you know, what, just, just, just a couple of years ago um, before Chuck Fletcher took over. And for him to step away from the game for a little bit after the, the Flyers, you know, and him parted ways to come back with the Penguins really hurts, man. It really hurts. And it doesn't only really hurt because of the bloodlines. It doesn't only really hurt because of his, like, Flyers pedigree. But I would say that it hurts because our fierce cross-state rival now has, you know, a pretty good chance for a resurgence post the Sidney Crosby era. And I'll tell you why. Ron Hextall, the, the Flyers that you're watching right now, Ron Hextall was the general manager that drafted a lot, a lot of them, like 60%, 75% of the guys. Other than the, the Drew, Voracek, Couturiers that have been here for a really long time, mm-hmm. the Konechnys, the Provorovs, the the Sandheims, um, the Carter Hearts. The, the Carter Hearts, correct. He was pivotal in their selection and growing and or growing process right anybody under 25 on the flyers right now ron hextall kind of had a hand in their development with the team and to know that the penguins don't have a shot to draft just as well as the flyers did and have a chance to grow in the future kind of gives you the heebie-jeebies because they've been so good for so long and they're obviously taking a kind of a downtick in this past couple of years they have that chance to get better later so it's not only the you know feeling backstabbed quote unquote and again it's a business right hextall blood black and orange for the longest time but again he got mm-hmm. he got canned yeah like a better word he got canned by the guy so guy guy wants to work guy wants a job he's an excellent front office exec and the penguins gm job came knocking well here's a couple things he got canned for a reason and we all know what that reason is he's an incredible farmer but he doesn't know how to harvest his crops he farmed all of these players but never gave them their chance to shine at a young age when the new coach came in AV came in. What was one of the first moves he made? One was solidifying Carter Hart. Two was getting Joel Farabee, young, young, young Joel Farabee on the ice. The minute they saw him, his potential uh, down, you know, below the NHL. So that's one thing that Ron Hextall struggles in. Now, these, I love the hire for the Penguins here because what this means, everything you said, plus they're not going to be good, you know, as Sidney Crosby ages, they're not going to be as much of a powerhouse. Now, as long as they have Malkin and, and Sidney Crosby, they're always going to be a threat, but not as much of a threat for another five to 10 years. Like we're not going to have to worry about them as much. Um, the other reason is 
you know, who knows how long his job's going to last in Pittsburgh if he keeps the same track record he had with the Flyers. Yes, he's an incredible drafter, an incredible farmer, but the guy just can't put the food on the table, man. You, you hit the nail on the head, and that was one of the reasons that he had the exit from, you know, from Philly. And I don't know if that tied back in with the ownership group and, and kind of wanting to sell tickets, put butts in the seats of time. Impatient fan base, right? We haven't had a Stanley Cup winning champion, you know, winning hockey team since 1975. They've been there throughout. Um, they've been in the mix, you know, as, as late as 2010, but it was 10 years between 2010 and 2020 that the Flyers really weren't sniffing the playoffs or important games in the playoffs. And Hextall had this vision, but the vision wasn't coming to fruition soon enough. And he was very, very patient with guys, especially like Carter Hart. When our goaltending situation was struggling three years ago, he would not call him up for the life of him. And I feel like that was the breaking point between uh, ownership and Ron that they, that they, they couldn't, you know, they didn't see eye to eye at that point anymore because uh, probably because being a goaltender too, I, I, th- I think Ron saw Carter Hart as, you know, Hags also Car- Carter Hart as this 20 year old goaltender at the time, not ready for the big show. Carter Hart has shown he's ready for the big show, but I understand Hexall's concern before bringing Carter Hart or, you know, getting canned and then the Chuck Fletcher and the rest of the crew bringing Carter Hart up is that they didn't want to, you know, rock the boat too early get his bell rung a couple games in the league. And all of a sudden his development is kind of shot because you have this kid, basically, I mean, kid can't even drink totally, you know, distraught after letting up, you know, back-to-back five goal games against some, some has been hockey team. Um, so we'll see again, kind of nerve wracking though, because even if Hexall isn't there to finish the job with the Penguins in the next 10, 15 years, he has a really good chance to lay the groundwork um and not only does it hurt again because of the bloodlines it hurts because he can make him a great hockey team in you know 2025 agreed entirely the other bit of hockey talk we want to drop uh, is uh, obviously the flyers outdoor game dude if you haven't you know been following uh hockey recently covid is spreading throughout the metro or the east division at this point in time uh the flyers have been off for what feels like a year uh, i think it's about been 10 10 to 12 days at this point they're going to be back on the ice I think half of their crew has been practicing this week. The rest will be back on tomorrow or the day of this podcast dropping on Thursday. Um, so pivotal names too, like, you know, Claude Giroux top down. We had about six or 10, I think on the flyers in that kind of range go down with COVID. The reason it's so important though, they'll make up some other games. The reason it's important too, is because they have an outdoor game coming up on Sunday against the Boston Bruins, which I'm always looking forward to. It, it stinks. There'll be no fans a part of it, but the flyers playing in an outdoor game is always super exciting. And, you know, you and I have great memories of the Flyers playing in, in outdoor games. Bush, do you know where that game is actually taking place? Yes, Lake Tahoe of all places. And not only Lake Tahoe, but on the fairway of a golf course in Lake Tahoe. Yes, they are playing. They're building the ice rink on the fairway of where the American Century Championship takes place. Uh, Lake Tahoe, if you guys don't know Lake Tahoe, it's kind of a resort casino party town. It's um, out, in, you know, out in Nevada, uh, kind of. I don't know. It's like pseudo Vegas. Um, there's a couple of casinos out there, right? There's a Harrah's, there's a Caesars and they host the American century championship at this golf course. And the American century is that big celebrity golf tournament. Everybody kind of knows about Patrick Mahomes plays in there. Travis Kelsey plays in it. Um, ton of ex hockey guys back in the day. They had, you know, Shaq, Charles Barkley, Lawrence Taylor, huge Ben, big Ben played Donald Trump played. I mean, they have like the biggest of the big names in the entire party, but yeah, getting a revamp uh, with a hockey rink on the fairway. And um, it's a cool setup. Did you see a picture of the rink? Actually, what, the, what it's going to look like? I did see the rendering that you had sent me. I believe it was a week, week and a half ago. Crazy setup. 
it's cool because they have so much flexibility now without spectators. And it kind of sucks. And I see it in our world too, is that, you know, obviously we'd love to have people on site, but at the same time, you can do a ton of cool other things that you normally couldn't do without thousands of people also being thrown in the mix. So literally, like you said, they're, they're on a fairway golf course. They have two, I think, hospitality kind of pavilion, like tents set up on scaffolding kind of behind the net. I'm sure they have like a TV broadcasting booth right there as well, Mm -hmm. but it almost looks like, dude, like if you guys play chill at all, it almost looks like a chills, like one's game or like, it looks like it it truly looks like pond hockey too. It looks like pond hockey because the place is covered in snow and all you see is a hockey rink. Like, I don't even know if they're going to put like the picture I saw recently, they don't have glass up. Like, honestly, maybe don't put the glass up, you know, how cool would that be? But they're obviously going to, it just looks like it's dropped in the middle of nowhere. It's almost like it's on the lake quote unquote, because there's just snow everywhere that you see the lake in the distance. And um, the Flyers and Bruins have had some, you know, great matchups so far this season. So I think the bloodshed's going to keep dripping uh, if the Flyers can get healthy with, uh, you know, the pandemic going on. Like we were talking about earlier on in the podcast episodes with the new rivalries that we should expect, the Flyers and Bruins have been providing out of all the games in the in the Eastern uh, division that we have right now. Um, I'm very excited for this outdoor game. I think the Bruins and Flyers are going to put on a show no matter who's on the ice, man. Yeah, and uh, we talked about it. We kind of skipped over it. But with all the games the Flyers missed, too, this game also matters a ton. It's also two points. It's two points they haven't had a chance to capture recently. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're going to have to make up a ton of games here in the late stretch. So really, you're going to see either a divisional lead take place or divisional slip take place here in the near future because they're going to be playing every other night, which is a lot for hockey, man. Usually in a normal season, their schedule, I feel like the Flyers play Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and that's it for the entire season. They have two days in between. They travel, they practice, they do this. I feel like now they're going to be like, you know, some back to backs. I mean, they're doing these home and home games with a lot of teams it's going to be sandwiched so tightly um, and they really can't have another slip up with the pandemic. I know the NFL, you know, conducted a successful season this year with no games postponed or sorry, no games canceled a full entire season. At this point, I don't know if hockey is going to be able to do that, man. Uh, I don't know how they're going to be able to do that with the players union kind of jumping on board that too. One thing I'm worried about with this, we talked about it in the very beginning with the shortened tightened schedule. And now, with the pandemic and getting even tighter is injuries. It's such a high impact, high intensity game. And for these guys not to have their rest and recuperation time, plus their prep time at practices, you kind of just have, you know, again, they're studs and they have great systems in place, but they're just going out there, going balls to the wall every single, every single night. And there's no real chance for them to kind of get the, the R and R that they need. Um, also, we talked about the fierce rivalries, right? They're, they're, they're not just playing, you know, the Arizona Coyotes on a random Thursday out in Glendale. Like, they're playing the Boston Bruins, the New York Rangers, the Pittsburgh Penguins, like teams that they want to beat, need to beat, and they're tr- going to try to beat. And you got a bunch of young competitive dudes out there that, you know, are going a mile a minute. You saw Couturier go out for two weeks early on in the season, and I, I don't think it's the last of it. So, knock on wood that they're going to stay healthy, but – um it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of this NFL uh, NHL season shakes out. You just briefly touched on lead changes in the divisions in these games. Last time the Flyers played each other, it was for first place in the East and the Bruins took that from them. So I'm looking to see the Flyers come out swinging in this outdoor game. Hopefully they can take first place back. And uh, I'm not sure if there's implications on the line, but anytime you can knock off that opponent that took first place from you in the past, it's always a good thing. The crazy part is too, dude, they play each other like six more times. So 
we talk about how each point's so pivotal, but at the same time, you have chances to score, you know, two points on a team. While you guys all get it, right? Like in MLB and NFL, or MLB, pretty much the the every league, but NFL um, is when you play a team head to head, right? You don't only have a chance to get two points in the standings; you have a chance for another team to not get two points. So it's almost like a four points swing because if you get two yeah. points on a night and the Bruins are playing on a different night, right? They also have the chance to get two points as well, and it kind of just stays status quo. This is kind of like a four point jump where a team doesn't have a shot to access points. If that makes sense. So to do that, that six yeah, more absolutely. times with these teams in the same division, there's there's no non-important games. I don't know. None of them are throwaways. They're all right directly impacting the standings night in and night out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, with all the NHL talk, Steve's really excited for uh, for this outdoor game. Speaking of outdoor sports, Steve's, we need to jump in a little bit of NFL talk here. There's two main topics that I want to touch on. One is J.J. Watt. Two is the quarterback situation. J.J. Watt is one of your boys that you've been following for quite a long time. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on J.J. and if you think he's going to land himself in the Steel City or not. So if you asked me this before J.J. became a free agent, I would say automatic yes, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. But the past couple of weeks, I'm getting kind of nervous. past couple of days, really, I'm getting kind of nervous that there's other contenders in the mix. And really, I feel like one of J.J.'s big points in this free agency you know, jump. And I don't know if we really talked about it even on the the last podcast, but it came out that JJ was, um, you know, the the driver of this. He came, he went to the Texans and asked for his release. Um, And he was one of the, you know, the drivers in the program. Reason being is he wants to win and not saying that I'm not confident in my Pittsburgh Steelers to do it, but at the same time, they're not poised to have a shot. I would say in the next, you know, for the next three years consistently. And, you know, for JJ to sign like a veteran deal to kind of end his career, quote unquote, I don't know how long he'll sign, but a team like, you know, with with a more stable quarterback situation really is what I'm getting at. Like, you know, even the Cleveland Browns who have come out as one of the front runners, even the, the obviously the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers. Um, there's other situations around the country, obviously, that have a quarterback that's going to be there until JJ Watt retires, where JJ Watt is not going to outlive or Big Ben is not going to outlive JJ Watt's contract. So even if JJ gives it one ride with his boys, you know, his brother, uh, TJ and Derek in Pittsburgh next year, family party, the whole Watt crew there playing close to home, family, all that cool stuff. Awesome. Great story. Steelers, you know, have a chance to win the AFC East like or AFC North like they do every single year. But if JJ's looking to kind of like, you know, I don't know, he's not a bounce around one year in and out type guy, right? Like he probably wants to play for three years and get a crack at it every single time. So that's the reason I'm kind of losing my confidence in the Steelers signing him. Um, I know that we'll be able to make the money work because JJ is going to go for the better minimum or, you know, a very light deal where, you know, we're not going to be throwing out a ton of cash where we could potentially be, you know, we are one of the more cap strapped teams in the league we'll be able to get the deal done in that sense but it's up to jj whether you know he wants to play backyard football with his brothers or if he wants a real shot that year in and year out for the next you know three to four however long he can play because the quarterback situation is not solved in pittsburgh uh came out recently that kevin colbert the gm said that they still have to revisit the big ben conversations there was rumors that he was coming back big ben obviously wants to restructure his contact and potentially come back contracting but potentially come back but Pittsburgh's not sold on either. They could be coming over the new QB next year. They could be coming. They're definitely going to be coming over the QB. I feel like in two years. So for JJ, 
to sign with the crew. They might have a rookie QB in two years. Less enticing. Where do you think he's going to land? I want to say the Steelers because I'd love to see him play with his brothers. But after those points you just brought up, it really does sound like it's on the decline. That makes sense, right? And, and if mm-hmm. the Steelers make a splash or, or whatnot, you know, say Ben retires, they make a trade. Who knows what could happen? I mean, this NFL free agency has been wild so far, and I think it's not over. I think there's, you know, obviously Deshaun Watson still on the market. Carson Wentz still about to move around. The draft is going to be quarterback heavy. So you could see some movement for sure. But if everything stays put and J.J. wants to get a deal done sooner than later, him playing in Wisconsin, back home with Green Bay, with Aaron, Used to the weather. That defense, used to the weather. I mean, I could see him in the green and gold. I really could see him in the green and gold as well. So there's a couple of front runners. Like I said, I really don't see him with Cleveland. I don't, even though they become the betting odds favorite. I, I just, for some reason, don't think he'd want to go to – from not that you know Houston's on a different level of dysfunctional franchises right but Cleveland with their promise so far I just still feel like they haven't asserted themselves as the guys you know as the cream of the crop I mean they still have to potentially get a wild card spot or you know maybe win the AFC North but they're battling for both you know what I'm saying like yes where Green Bay is gonna rock the NFC North for the next three Mm -hmm. years they are yeah that's a the fact. Vikings are a mess. You know, the, the Vikings can't do it. The Bears are a mess. The Lions are the, the joke of the entire league. He could go to the NFC, the, the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers, and lock up the division for three years in a row, be sitting on week 17, ready for his playoff push. Where if he plays in Pittsburgh or if he plays in Cleveland, he's going to be dogging for the division title or a wild card spot for the next three years because you're playing Lamar Jackson, the Steelers, who will have a shot even if Big Ben's out. They're still going to have a shot with that defense and uh you know and if you're on the Steelers you're playing the Browns who obviously have our number right I got a question for you we saw Tom Brady travel with the uh gold C logo on his jersey there is JJ Watt a traveling captain is he a media captain on any team that he joins I would say in a couple situations I wouldn't say immediately on you know the Steelers Really? He's not an immediate cat that walking into that walking into the steel city. Just knowing that team, I think they have their core kind of set, right? I don't know if it's a captain like you have a captain presence for sure, but it's a captain in the room. And even though he's pedigree, uh, you know, pedigree of NFL cream players of the out crop. there, right? Cream of the crop, right? Between players and dudes, right? Like guys in and out of the locker room. I think that they already have that core kind of set up. And it's kind of like, you know, getting a new boss, right? Like there is some kind of like buffer period where you know you have to learn to work with that person who's you know your quote-unquote captain right so for even a a new great captain to come in doesn't mean that he you know takes the spot of three or four other great captains that are already on another football team at at the moment tom brady eclipses it but at the same time he went to the buccaneers right like did they have that captain no and he is the true captain if he came to the steelers and came you know fit into the steelers defense one of the top five you know not arguably one of the top five defenses in the league last year where do you fit in between you know and i don't know the exact defensive captains last year but leaders on all forms of the football on defense you know cameron hayward mm-hmm. your brother tj and the linebacker crew uh joe hayden mega fitzpatrick in the back and in, in, in the secondary right like where do you fit in there so i don't think he jumps in at the steelers the browns make sense possibly the packers i'm not too sure what kind of crew crop they have there on d um it depends. I hate that answer, but it depends. Well, see, this is why I bring it up. 
if he's a traveling captain, which I believe he genuinely is, he would go to a team like the Browns, to a team like the Packers that has been struggling. And yeah, Packers, they've been struggling to make it to the big game. They can't win the AFC champ, or I'm sorry, the NFC championship. They're just struggling to do that. Now, if he walks in, brings his leadership, brings brings that mentality outside locker room as well. If I were him, I'd want to go to a team where I'm the traveling C because I know that I can change something the minute people look at me as their captain. And for me, it's, you know, it's a team game and to have a teammate teammate guy like, like JJ Watt, or, you know, I've never been on a team with him, but from the outside looking in, he seems like one of the best teammate guys you could have. So for mm-hmm. him to go to a place where he's not the captain doesn't seem right. So what, once again, tagging along with what you said about the Steelers and then him also potentially not being a captain there, it really is just seriously on the decline. Now you look at the Browns, that's a team that's going to be dogging it. That's a team that's going to be looking for a leader. And, and Baker Mayfield, he wears the C. I'm sure he does carry a little bit of, uh, you know, leadership. You know, obviously they all have to wrap around him. But J.J. Watt walks in that locker room. Baker Mayfield's looking at J.J. Watt. It's not the other way around. Very true. Another thing to kind of solidify our point that maybe the Steelers aren't the team. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe the. I don't know. We're throwing around a bunch here right now. We're just kind of just like laying the pros and cons in our head. But another thing I'm thinking about with JJ is that at this point in his career, he probably wants to go to a team too, where he isn't the focal point, right? Like maybe on the backside in the locker room, as you, as you kind of quoted being the leader, but I'm talking about on the field at 30 plus a 10 year vet of the NFL. Do you want to get double teamed every single play? Absolutely dogged by the best offensive lineman doubled out crack blocked by a wide receiver. You know, it'd be nice if you had a defensive end like Miles Garrett on the other side of you. You had a DM like Miles Garrett, who you're picking up the scraps, you're getting the sack, you're running up the accolades because you have that guy doing spin moves, stiff arms, hitting people with helmets in the head on the other side of the field for you to get the job done picking up the weak side. That kind of makes sense. I, I don't that. know a ton about the Packers' D. Honestly, I could not name a guy on their D line right now, just, just, just picturing it, but – that also seems like a team where you might have to put a little bit more legwork in. Yeah. Where you're building in to the Steelers day. You're, you're, you're a part. You're, you're not the focal point. You're a piece of a great defense. You're a piece of a good defense with, with the Browns. I think we really talked ourselves into JJ Watt going to the Browns because I think we did too. You know what, you know what, who on the Browns defensive line that you just mentioned needs somebody to be a leader for them. Miles freaking Garrett. Yeah. A guy who needs discipline, a guy who has all the skill there and just needs a vet like like a Larry Fitzgerald to DeAndre Hopkins. Just needs that just needs a little bit of, hey man, try this next time. Hey man, do a little bit of this. Like JJ's got that for Miles Garrett. And I would I'd pay money to go to go up to, to Cleveland and watch them play together. I think that would be insane. And my only comment with the Browns, though, and again, I think it's important, is that they're going to be fighting with two other teams every single year, two two plus in the AFC to get to the wild card spot. You saw what happened in the AFC wild card this year, right? With the, with the Dolphins, the Titans, the, the you know the entire crop trying to get into the playoffs at the last minute. It's not over, um, and you also have you know some teams that possibly could sh- surprise. Um, the AFC East was really bad this year, right? The pack or the the Patriots could make some noise eventually. AFC West, the Raiders made some noise early, fell apart late. You have teams that could could try to get into the wild card at the same time. And I just don't know if JJ, like if he wants to win now, wants to be in a team that, you know, probability of winning 
is tougher. It is more difficult. I, I, I do agree. But we talked ourselves into why I think Vegas has them as the favorite. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. I agree. Hey, uh, another football trade piece I want to talk about. We talked about the Deshaun Watson trade um, in a couple episodes ago, but it came out recently that the Carolina Panthers are willing to trade three first-round picks, I believe, as well as Christian McCaffrey to the Houston Texans for Deshaun Watson, which I believe we talked about on that previous episode, but I know Brandon Hammonds and I talk about it all the time because I say you instantly trade Christian McCaffrey and all of those picks for Deshaun Watson. I am all in on that trade. If it, if that was proposed, I don't know why it's done yet. Uh, not done yet. I don't know if it's on the Texans hold upside because it better be not be on the Carolina Panthers hold upside because you're getting a quarterback again. Like we talked about, I'm not going to, you know, beat a dead horse here. The next 10 plus years, your running back CMC. Fantastic. Take a look at the running backs that have won the Super Bowl in the past 10 and then come talk to me. They all have been free agent replacements, running back by committees, not no names, but not number ones. And if you're going to want to win, you need a QB, find a free agent running back, draft a third round running back. Makes zero sense. Send another pick, dude. Like send another pick. That guy's the guy and he could set your franchise up for quote unquote ever. That's an absolute fact. And you look at, just like you said, all the running backs that are on these winning teams, a lot of people transition that running back by committee. There's, there's running backs on teams you never even heard of before that are winning huge games. It's much harder to come by an incredible quarterback than it is to come by a slightly above average running back. And with mm-hmm. a good, great quarterback like Deshaun Watson, all you're going to need is a slightly above running, slightly above average running back. You're not going to need a Christian McCaffrey uh, to win games alongside Deshaun Watson. You're going to need a Matt Breida with some wheels to stand behind Deshaun Watson and just get the job done. Two of them. Two of them. Two of them. Matt Breida and a guy like Jay Ajayi, who was a free agent that the birds picked up mid season, the same season they won the Super Bowl. You can always find a guy to give to be your running back. You can always find that guy. You can rarely find a guy. The Washington football team, so lucky to have Taylor Heineke be a backup. They had no idea he was going to do that. They, they So lucky. He got paid. Kid got paid, too. Kid got paid. Kid got paid. Point is, bro, you do. You you sell the, you sell the lot for Deshaun Watson, especially even though Christian McCaffrey, MVP-type player. I mean, it's a no-brainer, mm-hmm. really. No-brainer. No-brainer. Uh, Bush, any more football chatter that we're missing here? There is a little bit of football chat that I do want to get to regarding some other quarterbacks in the league. And after listening to our guy, Adam Schefter today, I have a couple tidbits of what he said that I want to get out there regarding Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles quoted saying this morning, when the radio hosts asked Adam Schefter, what the over under was, if it was three and a half, if it's over under three and a half legitimate, more than two calls about Carson Wentz. Uh, to, for them to trade for Schefter quickly responded under now those two teams have been narrowed down to the Chicago bears and the Indianapolis Colts, the Indianapolis Colts on uh, Vegas has dropped down to, I believe minus 1200, uh, which is absolutely incredible. I mean, obviously we want to see Wentz go to Indianapolis. We've been talking about that for a long time and you know, it's, we'd like to see him have a little bit of success and he's getting out of the NFC, which is good. Um, now the other thing that I wanted to touch on was that Deshaun Watson is who we brought up first tonight, but that is not going to be the move that is made first. Every other quarterback decision that's going to be made this NFL season 
will be will be dependent upon the Wentz move. Wentz will be the first domino to fall. Mark my words. Wentz will be the first domino to fall and go to another team before Watson's move, before we figure out what's going on with Russell Wilson, and before we figure out what's going on with Sam Darnold as well. So I'm very interested to see what's going on. The fact that the birds, what was it, last week, were saying they want a Matthew Stafford-like deal for Wentz, and they got under three and a half phone legitimate phone calls means they're not going to get a Matthew Stafford type deal for Carson Wentz. So mm-hmm. I, I'm interested, man. I'm here for it. A lot of people saying they're going to hang on to Wentz and keep him because if the deal's not right, there's no point in getting rid of him. I mean, it's it, and just have him as a backup. So I, I don't know, man. It's it, it's going to be very interesting. The crazy part is it's not even I feel like the Wentz deal itself. It's what they're going to do with the court of a situation as a whole and you know say Carson Wentz goes ahead and gets traded to the, the favorites the Indianapolis Colts at, at the deal Jalen Hurts is set up as your starter there's still people kind of in that building that don't believe Jalen Hurts is the true starter and with the sixth or sorry uh what, what pick of that the ninth sixth okay yeah sixth overall so. pick in the NFL draft this year it was funny. I believe uh, Dante, one of one of Hammond's boys, free parking uh, loyalist, he put out right after the Eagles season ended there, you know, just this idea that they draft a quarterback. Yo, I bet the Eagles draft a quarterback. And at that moment, I kind of bought in. And now I start to believe it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit more mm-hmm. that if Wentz gets traded, do they believe in Hurts enough to not pick a guy? And with the quarterback frenzy taking place in the first round of the draft this year, you might see that Eagles first round pick either become a quarterback or move and get traded. So somebody can pick a quarterback in that spot because once two go at one and two, say it's Lawrence fields or say it's Lawrence Wilson from BYU, you're going to have teams that need a QB hopping up in the top to get Wilson or fields, whoever that second quarterback that falls is you have that guy from North Dakota state. Also a Trey Lance also popping into the top 10, top 15 and puts on points. It's going to be a gong show. And honestly, probably the most exciting i don't know if the the quarterback crop in the draft this year is as strong as people think no but it's this absolute just gong show frenzy for quarterbacks that is people are panicking. The nfl in the They're past panicking. three four years they, they panicked and with this patrick mahomes situation i feel like is a part of it too is that everybody's looking for that diamond in the rough that, that the guy who they're picking the second or third in, you know, all of them could potentially be the best quarterback of all time. I don't, I don't know. I, there's just, they're, they're panicked and there really is no more development stage of picking a quarterback 23rd in the NFL draft or, or early in the second round and kind of seeing how they pan out where, you know, the best quarterback of all time was in the fifth or sixth, right? Tom Brady picked what? 197th um, or something. <laughs> exactly. So, um, Honestly, the possibilities are endless. If I had a crystal ball, it probably would still be foggy at this point. I don't think it, it would even have an answer of what's going to happen. Um, but for Carson Wentz to be the highest paid quarterback as a backup would be an absolute reason to not buy another piece of Eagles apparel yeah. uh, ever again. I, yeah. I would say that's for sure. That's an absolute fact. Deeves, you said right before all that big quarter, quarterback talk there, I still don't believe that there are people in the Eagles organization that believe he's a starting quarterback. You know, for Hurts. For for you know who those people are? The people that are going to be drafting a quarterback in this draft. Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie do not believe that Jalen Hurts is going to be their starting quarterback. They don't believe it. There's no shot. There's no shot they believe it if this speculation is coming out, especially if it's reported by Adam Schefter. 
Adam Schefter says, there is no doubt in my mind that the Eagles are drafting a quarterback this year. No doubt in his mind. Who is he talking to that is telling him that Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie don't think that Jalen's the guy? And it might not even be in the first round, right? Let's say the first round happens. They either draft somebody, which they probably should, or they they trade it away or whatever happens. For, but say it's in the second or third where they pick, um, you know, they, they pick another guy, right? Like you already have, who's the backup? Um, Sudfeld. Nate Sudfeld. You're, you're still kind of proving if you're picking a quarterback in the top three rounds that, that Sudfeld's not the guy or that, that Hurts is not the guy. Hurts is not the guy. Sudfeld's not the guy. Wentz is un, undutedly leaving. The quarterback factory is now. There's no, there's no factory at all. There's literally, there's no brick and mortar place you can even go to. And Nate Sudfeld's been, he's been a journeyman, but in a journeyman in the sense of the birds, the guy's been like off the roster, back on the roster, just always just kind of lurking there next to Doug Peterson used to be RIP on the sideline. And you know, Nate Sudfeld's also that kind of guy that could have been like Taylor Heineke, like goes in and lights it up, but he never did that. Not once, maybe one game in preseason two years ago. It's, it's an absolute gong show, Deves. Uh, the draft is going to be very exciting. I can't wait to see what happens to the city of Philadelphia when they draft. What quarterback player. is Dickie? Uh, what, what Jersey is Dickie Duke going to buy? Uh, yeah. April, April, April 20th. That's uh, an absolute fact. Bush. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's wrap up this episode of the free parking podcast here. I think uh great cap of, I don't know, some awesome interactions we've had. NHL around the horn, NFL around the horn, and um, anything else you got? Essential water shout out? Yeah, absolutely. We're always shouting out essential water. Anyone who's watching on YouTube right now or listening on Apple, Spotify, or SoundCloud, one, we appreciate every single one of you. But two, make sure you guys head over to my Twitter at whack underscore bush and check out some of this content I've been posting for essential water. If you don't know what essential water is, you've heard of Fiji, you've heard of all these different types of what glacier, glacier ice water. Essential water is the best one out of every single one of these. You can attest you've had it yourself. This water is absolutely unbelievable. And yesterday I officially submitted my application to enter into their influencer program. I'm extremely excited about it. Hopefully something happens. The content's not going to stop. And, uh, and yeah, that's all I got these. I mean, go get it at your local store. I've been drinking it all episode. If you're watching on YouTube, you've been seeing me slugging it. Overachieving H2O baby overachieving H2O. Everybody, thanks for listening to episode 58 of the Free Parking Podcast. And uh, we appreciate you all. Catch you next time. Bush, out. Dancing in my room, swaying my feet.